Ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Hey! Hey! This guy, right here. Thank you, producer Mr. E. Thank you, welcome to Yeah, so as you may notice, we are recording remotely again. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, there was a uh, scare... There was a scare in my office, and as a precaution, everybody in the vicinity of that particular scare was quarantined, including me. So, when Sean says the office, he means the corner he works on. Oh, as if you're, yeah, hooker, yeah, because I'm a Jesus. hooker. Okay, I tell, yeah, I really think you had to think about that. God damn, fuck you, fuck you, eh? I make more money than you, huh? <laughs> Yeah, that's because you fucking you you trick yourself all over the, the county. I am a fucking high class one. That they only I only get one order a week. But it, shut up, I don't want to be a whores anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I, I want to start with this topic. This one right. made me laugh. So, did you guys watch the uh, the Little Rascals movie when you were a kid? The newer one, the nineteen ninety four one, not the of the course black ones. Yeah, I think right? I've seen it I once did. or twice. Okay, you know the kid Alfalfa. Sure. Yes. Okay. His name is Bug Hall, and he was arrested the other day. Oof. Yeah. And I, want you guys, I want you guys to try to guess why he was arrested. And I'm going to send you the link so you can see the picture, and then we'll just talk about it for like two seconds. So why do you think 35-year-old Bug Hall was ho- was uh, arrested in a hotel room? <laughs> in a hotel room? In Texas. In Texas. So, okay, well, let's see. Saturday in Texas in a hotel room. Prostitution. Uh, okay, we got a prostitution. Big, I would say one prostitution. Usually, when you get stories like this, it's like it's drugs or something. So I'm going to say uh, he was either caught dealing drugs or waiting for drugs to arrive. Ah, I, I think we have a winner. I'm going to give that to host Sean. Okay, nice. I, I sent you guys the link. Open the picture, but. Uh, what's his name? Bug Hall was actually arrested for huffing air duster cans. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man! Yeah. So I guess they were uh, police received a call requesting a welfare welfare check on him, and someone expressed concern he might have overdosed after spotting him huffing by a hotel dumpster, as we all know is the place to go. Oh, and then yeah. upon arriving, the police discovered 35 year old Hall in his hotel room, surrounded by the cans, and they completed an investigation and arrested him. For misdemeanor possession of use to inhale or ingest a volatile chemical. And he's being held on 1500 bond. Oof. And that's the story right there. Well, the good news is, is I don't think he could hit uh, a further bottom than that. So it's only up from here. <laughs> I mean, that's I know. a pretty low place. It really is. That That's like that's worse than most things for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a yikes. Well, that kid, I guess he peaked when he was in the movie. And he just like went all downhill from there, man. And all of a sudden, he hits that bottom with like I was just surrounded by air duster cans and cops waking me up. And that is a real low I was point. Alpha. I had more respect for him if he was selling meth. <laughs> I know, right? Go for it, at least. What? Yeah, yeah. I so at one of my old jobs, uh, they called me to see if I wanted to come back because the guy they hired after me was caught. Um, just he was found passed out on the floor. Uh, because he was oh. sniffing all of their air. Oh my oh, god! Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you can't afford me now. <laughs> you don't know how much air I was doing when I was Am there. I behind on the time? Should I look into that? Like, is that the new thing? <laughs> I don't know, man. That is like that's bottom. That's like yeah, you know, using whipped cream to get high. At some point, just give it For up. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. You're like that's. I don't even get that because, yeah, you're just doing like cans and cans and cans. Well, I have a story here about a celebrity. Okay. So uh, it's about the Loch Ness Monster. Did you guys see the the photo that surfaced recently? The new photo of the Loch Ness Monster? No. I um, I didn't <laughs> see the picture. I saw an article with the headline and I didn't even click it. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> so what is it? Well, so as we know in this uh, in this quarantine, it seems like all the cryptozoological animals are coming out to visit. You know, you got Bigfoot sightings <laughs> turn out to be fake. Mothman stuff turn out to be fake. Um, Chupacabras. Yeah, exactly. They're all coming out. 
So photographer, quote unquote, <laughs> Steve Chalice uh, took the photo when he was on holiday. Um, where was this? Not too long ago. And he spotted the creature about 30 feet away and took a picture. And he estimates that it's about eight feet long. The creature. The creature. Uh, he was doubtful of his discovery. He was like, nah, you know, it's probably just a big fish or a seal or something. You know, don't worry about it. Um, turns out it was fake and he photoshopped it. Uh, I'm looking at the picture right now. I just Googled it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's completely photoshopped. It looks like a salmon, right? The pattern on the back. Do you see that? the, The spots on the back. Plus the picture of this on Instagram, yeah. So, um, yeah, the spots on the back, they were able to trace to a picture of a bass, or excuse me, to a picture of a catfish that was posted in 2018. Oh, wow. And apparently, I called it. That's hilarious. Yeah, apparently he took that image and spliced it and, you know, did his stuff to it and uh, used it for that. But he never came clean. Instead, people really had to track him down and, like, jeez. Yeah. So that's not. It's people like that that destroy the real evidence of the real Loch Ness monsters out there, and just making it all making us all seem like quacks. <laughs> this is true for believing in something. That's that was I your know. only crime. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the image was digitally altered. Also, Steve Chalice he wouldn't provide the original SD card. The image was taken on, quote unquote. Uh, which would have helped validate his claim that it was real. I would have said something like, oh, man, when I was taking the picture of the Loch Ness Monster, there was like an energy field. I felt it buzzing around my skin, and it just damaged the SD card beyond repair. But I was able to pull this awesome image off of it. But I was able to hack out this. (laughs) (laughs) Hack out, for sure. Did you guys know uh, pictures like that contain metadata and a lot of explanation about the image beyond what you're seeing there. Do you guys know that? I do because that's how they always tell like chicks who post naked pictures online. Like, dude, you're just, if someone was really crazy enough, they could like find out where you are. If you're not careful with all your metadata bullshit. So it's like, yes. oh geez. A lot of clues to be oh, had yeah. there. Yeah. So that's why you just don't share any of your shit, man. Don't, don't, Every time I send pictures of my wiener, it's only on Snapchat because it goes away. <laughs> you can otherwise all the metadata. You can screenshot that, screenshot that too, until it's doctored as well. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it really is. It really is fourteen feet. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, yeah, that was one way they told that it was fake. But the story went on to say uh, a New Zealand team scoured the lake last year. And the results are in. They found nothing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. No DNA from a monster found or a catfish or a sturgeon. That's not even from a monster. Yep. That's a monster DNA. (laughs) Monster DNA. We got positive. They tested the water for monsters. They did find some DNA that they couldn't identify, but... The researchers were like, all right, hold your brakes. You know, this is probably nothing. Don't worry about it. Like, Probably some dude jacking off in, the, in Loch Ness. Yeah, exactly. But what they That's did the say, what they did say was in the lock was um, a shit ton of eels. And huh. when they were doing their study, they found eels that were as thick as a human thigh. Wow. That could, that would be it right there. If someone, just, if an eel just kind of came up and did something. Right. That would do it. What is, what is it they say that um, ancient uh, sea monsters and all the all the like pirate tales or sailor tales? Isn't it just whale penises? Have you heard that theory? <laughs> no. The whale penis is like I don't even know why I know this. This isn't one of my topics at all. But um, it's um, basically like the way some whales fuck. There has to be one whale supporting the other whale because they'll drown otherwise. And then his <laughs> dick just kind of like comes out and like flashes around on the top of the water. <laughs> and then since, you know, it's a really weird thing you're seeing, people were saying like that could explain like some sailors like, oh, I saw a tentacle creaturey monster thing coming out of the water. I, mean, I just remember this an old Reddit post. I'll tell you what. You see just about any creature's penis 
in uh, out of context or in strange lighting, and almost all <laughs> of them true. look alien. That has to be your quote of this one for sure. Yeah, any 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 wiener out of context could be an alien. Let me, <laughs> it really is true. Have you ever seen a turtle's wiener? Huh? Freaky um, deaky, my I've friend. Seen a turtle fucking. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that video. Yeah, I've seen that. I didn't. Why? What's his dick look like? I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. A duck dick is corkscrewed. A duck dick is corkscrew. Yeah. Yeah. Because, see, like, dude, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it. Nature built these things in all sorts of weird ways, and it's like I don't know. I don't know which way is best. We'll see what happens. Well, all this, all this uh, lake talk makes you think of oceans. And I was looking, reading this story that kind of. This one's kind of blowing my mind, actually. These people claim that one fifth of the ocean floor has been mapped, one which I think fifth? is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot, considering there's what a planet's like seventy percent surface water. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I was trying to tell this to someone else today, and there's like that doesn't seem that much. I'm like that's like a lot. Like I feel like it's a lot. All right, so let's get into it more. So. I was tripping on this already because I always think of, you know, we always talk about space. That's at the final frontier. But honestly, the water is like the, the frontier we got to get to first. I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. I have said that for years in that it's right there. It's this this other frontier, like you're saying, that is right at our doorsteps. And instead, we're focusing on some barren rock all the way over there. I don't know out in space well i understand that although uh, i feel like on some level that it's almost hard it's almost easier to get to the rock <laughs> than, than these oceans because of the pressures like we need more technology on the pressures as well like that's why i'm curious like again like how they're gonna like this is only article only goes so far but so here, uh, basically the the company that is doing this it's a mouthful they're the nippon foundation gebco seabed 2030 project <laughs> hey, how many times fast, right? did you practice that more than I'd care to admit. Uh-huh. And you know what's funny? Gebco actually is a abbreviation for General Bathymetric Charts of the Ocean. So they Jeez. even like shortened one of the words to make this already big sentence of their whole corporation, like blah, blah, blah. But they're the ones who say that they've mapped one-fifth of the ocean. And I guess this this actually, uh, the whole Nippon Foundation, Gebco Seabed 2030 project, was launched in 2017. And at that time, they said only 6% of the oceans had been mapped, which even I think that's a lot, too. We, everything we hear is always the mysterious ocean, like, fuck it. And now it's like we're mapping all these. I mean, I guess it makes sense. We're not sailors, but. Well, oh, I mean, uh, yeah. mapping it is different than going there and seeing what's there. Because, I mean, you can you can take topography of the ocean floor. Ocean. And yeah, this ocean floor too. Yeah, this is uh, mapping the ocean floors. They're saying. Yeah, yeah so I mean, it, good for you on the topography, but I, I you know, ultimately, you got to get down there to see what's there, right? Otherwise, you could read a sunken ship as a coral reef or a, another porous structure. I don't know. Maybe their technology is much better than I'm giving it credit for. For sure. No, I say I was I was curious about that stuff too as well. Like I was even saying, like we're gonna find the lost city of Atlantis doing this. But I have a feeling too that this these must be shallow waters, just because there's so much deep shit out there that we can't even get stuff down there. Or I mean, just last week or whatever, we talked about that astronaut who went down to the the Marianas Trench, Uh and she was like one of eight people to do that. So obviously that stuff's not getting probably mapped out as much as these other areas are Yeah, that's interesting because if it's not in deep waters then it's kind of misleading i don't know i want to i mean i mean it's not misleading it's just it's i mean i guess a little bit right it's like but it's like putting their best foot forward it's like hey we've mapped all the stuff that we we can so far i mean they're they're not even saying that they're still mapping it there's just a like like you said there's a lot of stuff i'm going to compare it to some stuff and you know basically the amount of yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. It, it, I might be a little bit spoiled here because ultimately I'm all about like, oh yeah, let's go explore it and this and that. But you know, what do I personally really want of out of their exp- exploration? Is it uh, a map? Y- you know, I guess I don't know what I expect them to find, and I shouldn't sure. be so judgy about this because you know it is a good step in the right direction. They were mentioning something about even knowing the topography of the floor could help in just knowing 
I think it was current or something like that. How the how things could interact in that way. So that could be a a potential benefit of it. Um, but yeah, I think it's almost just something like you get you got to map it to, to explore type of deal. Uh-huh. I'm thinking right because eventually we, that's like the first step into. It's almost like we're mapping the solar system too when we do that stuff. So this is like the next step of actually exploring those oceans deeper. But I guess all the information we've gotten since uh, they started 2017 is equivalent to almost the twice of that of Australia. So they've gotten they've pretty much mapped two Australia's worth of ocean, and then we only have 19% of the ocean mapped currently. So we have another 81% of the ocean still to survey, still to map, and, um, and that's an area that's twice the size of Mars. Wow. Uh, yeah i was like what when i heard that too and so that's their goal over in the next decade the next 10 years is to just keep mapping the oceans oh although i'm tripping on like how are they gonna get deep enough to do this like i gotta so i'm like reading already i'm like like i feel like i don't even know how they did it yeah so that's fascinating that the so 81 percent of the ocean surface is approximately more surface area than mars and twice, twice, twice that? the size of, of twice Mars? the size of Mars. That's, that's a crazy yeah. number. I didn't know Mars was that small. It is. It is. I, I believe Earth is bigger. Wow, that's very cool. I, I mean, that is a monumental feat. And like you said, how are they going to get deep enough to really get some good images? For sure. Oh, another reason to map them too is um, underwater cables and pipelines. That's There's right. a lot of those. There's a lot of that shit going on too. You know, like that's stuff I'm all ignorant about. But there aren't there like huge pipelines right now? It's like feeding huge internets. Yeah, like electric stuff everywhere. Big fiber optic cables across the Atlantic Ocean. I'm so smart. There's electric stuff everywhere. Um, so another group, actually, this article kind of flushed into this other group. But I guess there's another group that's going to create a a fleet of robotic surface vessels, and they're going to be low cost uh, and then uncrewed. And then that might be the only way to like really map pretty much, you know, something that's twice the size of Mars by, by they're calling, you know, 2030. So this is all like their goal within the next 10 years is try to map all this shit. That's very cool. I, do, do we know where they've mapped so far? Have they discovered there anything? There are pictures or? and maps. You know, so they, you know how good I am with maps. I suck, but <laughs> I have pictures of maps like here. I'll send you the, the link right now. And then if you have any thoughts to say, you know, you can always just take a moment, edit it out, and then think about it. But I just sent it to you now. But, yeah, though, there's all, all the black parts in the picture I'm showing you are things they have mapped versus the blue and stuff they haven't. Well, actually, I think I said it wrong. I think all the black stuff stuff they haven't mapped, but the white, the blue stuff something they map. But I'm just tripping that they're doing it because everything we ever hear about the ocean is like, it's mysterious. Don't think about it. It's mysterious. It sucks. We'll never <laughs> get down there. And, and like, just stay away and just go go to the planets instead. But now they're like, yeah, no, we're out there. We're we're slowly figuring that shit out, too. And I don't know. My last thing on that is what if you do run into some underwater because you've heard of UFOs, but have you heard of USOs? They're underwater, like unidentified submerged objects. Ooh, no. And they're like weird, yeah, they're like weird things that people see at sea. Like sometimes people see like lights coming out of the ocean, out of the sky or like or vice versa, like a light going from the sky into the ocean. And based off all that, you know theory craft and bullshit some people have an idea that maybe the if i don't know the ufos whatever they are maybe there's a base down there and or maybe they just use water for their fuel or something but there's been there's been unidentified stuff at sea as well as on land and uh, so all this stuff I'm, yeah i'm looking at this map and uh the way they've mapped it is it seems like they visit a lot of ports and then there's lines leading from ports to other ports and uh, and so on and so forth, like like some sort of a complicated web. And ultimately, those lines overlap and form big clusters of explored area. But it's interesting that um, you have these very these these very dark areas where they don't want to dock. And I'm guessing those are unfriendly countries that are not open to what these people are laying down at the moment. That's funny. You know, it's funny. Uh... You kind of t- touch on something the article mentioned too, where I guess for a while there, when they were mapping, they just left port and went to go map like an area. 
And then someone had the genius idea, like, hey, what if you left the mapping technology on the entire time you're you're going instead of just going to the mapping area? <laughs> and so everyone's everyone started doing that, and that's what you see these lines for. So certain areas are like really well mapped now because everyone who's going out to these areas, they have to go through the same couple areas to get to the other areas, for lack of saying, you know, say area a lot. But that's why some of these areas are really mapped out more than others because they keep moving in and out of those places. That is fascinating. Yeah, I look forward to keeping my eye on that. Does this have a name? This uh, study? Oh, well, I know the, the foundation is the Nippon Foundation GEBCO, which stands for General Bathymetric Chart of the Ocean Seabed Twenty Thirty Project. <laughs> okay, so it's that. So be sure to look that up. I'm going to call it the Seabed Twenty Thirty Project. Yeah, I think twenty. I think just Twenty Thirty Project. Yeah, Seabed. Yeah, yeah. Seabed Twenty Thirty Project. I'm I'm down with that for sure. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of something else I read recently, actually. Um, have you heard about these oil tankers that are just sailing in circles? No. Or are they abandoned or something? No. So recently, uh, not necessarily only oil tankers, but big tanker ships sailing through the Atlantic Ocean have been caught just sailing in circles, thinking they're going straight. Oh, whoa. Some like Bermuda Triangle bullshit going down? And so most of these are run or most if not all are run by sophisticated gps things right which uh-huh. takes their order from a satellite and direct north and blah 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 so initially the thought was that this was some sort of gps jamming system by an unfriendly country out there trying to fuck up trade i was gonna say this almost sounds like there's an area you're not supposed to go and when you get near enough it just like says hey gps send them off to this area and people are just all of a sudden putting the map together, like "Holy shit, we're not—we're actually not going straight." Have you guys seen uh, "Tomorrow Never Dies"? That was a Pierce Brosnan J- Bond movie. <clears throat> I have, but it's been a, a hot minute. Okay, so the plot of that one is a newspaper mogul, a media mogul, uh, develops a technology to jam radar signals or uh, GPS signals, and he sends boats off course and whatnot for good headlines, trying to start a war between, uh, I think, China and England, and yada, 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 Bond foils them. But Fucking spoilers, whoa. Right? And that's kind of what was happening here, is because some of the boats were caught off of uh, China, some of them were, you know, elsewhere, and so they were kind of looking at these countries going, what the hell? Now... Experts are blaming nature for this whole thing. Magnets. How the fuck do they work? It's magnets. <laughs> Magic. And so <laughs> uh, the Earth's magnetic field has decreased right? by 10% in the last two centuries. So you're right there. You're right. This is magnet magnets. It's all about magnets. Do yeah, because it's like something like their their true north's probably off or something. Because I feel like the the poles switch. That, Every couple thousand years. That's it, bro. You're right on track. So here's what's Am happening. I? Okay, cool. Here's oh, what's happening. Sick. We okay. know that the poles are switching within our lifetime. Wow. The poles are actively moving. The north will move to the south, and the south will move to the north. For sure. We've already measured the north moving. Uh, it's a noticeable difference, and we've adjusted for it, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but now... What they're starting to notice is that a gap in the Earth's magnetic field has started to form over South America and Africa. Oh, my. And this is one large gap stretching across the Atlantic Ocean to South America and Africa. They're calling it the South Atlantic Anomaly. Wow. This is blowing my mind right now. Although I'm almost wondering... Like already, is this like a bad thing? Where because doesn't, for lack of a better term, don't magnets help us uh, <laughs> stave off like solar radiation and shit? Like doesn't like so if it's like is it? Are you saying it's missing in that sense, or is it just something where like because the whole point of the pole switching is true north south, right? So for some reason, this gap, uh, the South Atlantic anomaly, is just somehow. Tell me, do you know more? I know a lot more. <laughs> so oh, okay, cool. Let's start with the pole switching. So north is moving, and what we suspect is going to happen is we're going to go. We're going to get a lot more norths. So there will be um, 
multiple. Yeah, there will be multiple, multiple North Poles. Thus, false North. Voyager got stuck in the planet in the time one. It became the planet's third magnetic pole. Oh, is that what happened? Well, yeah. uh, Blink of an eye. I think is that episode. Yeah. Oh, god damn it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the name of the. Yeah. See, I know this title, but I don't know if I would have known it if you hadn't said it. You're a fucker. Anyway. And, and um, so you're right in that uh, our magnetic field does protect us from solar radiation and all that DNA mutating radiation out there that gets to us. Fun stuff. Right? And so uh, this article that I read, and I, I actually dove into it a bit, but there was, I mean, I could have done a really deep dive on this, but I, I stayed pretty cursory here. And mm-hmm. uh, the article I read didn't dive into the potential harm that this whole magnetic shift could cause. But Mm -hmm. ultimately just the idea that this, this whole GPS malfunction is just one sign of the North and pole, the North and South pole switching. There are also, um, let me see here, satellite and spacecraft malfunctions that were later attributed to this. uh, Yeah. To this whole pole thing. And this will take centuries to accomplish. And given that we know that in the last 200, or excuse me, in the last 200 years, we've lost 10% of our magnetic strength. Who knows how much longer this switch will take and where we'll end up from there. Well, if, if half of our topics come true, we're going to live for like another 100 years at least, you and I, I'm on here, uh-huh. uh, like <laughs> at least, hopefully. So we're, we're maybe going to be able to be like, in my day, North was that way. Oh, I know. But now it's that way. I think it's so cool that something as simple as a magnet, something we're taught like, you know, this is easy to make if you have silk or a magnet or whatever, you know, you just drop it. Onto something free floating like water or a pen, and watch it point north. And now mm. that technology won't work. Like that's crazy. Yeesh. I've always thought Maybe. my car uh, compass was a bit off too. No, <laughs> that's something you would notice, frankly. I never noticed that shit. I don't know wherever. <laughs> I actually will be great for this new world because I won't have any of those <laughs> preconceived notions. Old north, south, east, west. I'll just I'll learn the new ones. Yeah, I'll everybody. Everybody will have to navigate by where that fast food restaurant is and which corner that liquor store is on and <laughs> you know did. the dog statue like, on the left. <laughs> I know like, yeah, see, when you see the big tree, turn right. When you see the, the sign, that's not the way to go. Exactly. My last thought on that topic would be like maybe this is where some mutant power is going to start coming in, right? You said some of that, DNA, that mutant DNA stuff coming in. Maybe if you're sailing this region, the anomaly for a while, you'll well, start having like powers. Or, you know, cancer. Well, and so, yeah, I don't want to get too political on here, but. Um, How's that political? Okay. Yeah. Well, no, no. My, my next statement uh, will be, I guess, somewhat politically charged, but I'm not trying to make a stance okay. either way. I'm just saying okay. that possibly global warming could be attributed to some of this magnetic stuff letting in more cosmic rays and heat. And, you know, again, True. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but uh, a lot of stuff has changed in the past 200 years since, you know, we, oh, yeah. we've oh, gotten smarter is, and yeah. we've definitely are tracking things. The earth is changing and so I we think, are living longer. So we're going to probably see it. I think we definitely could go the X-Men route, but uh, if we don't, it's cancer for sure. <laughs> I, know. I know. Fingers crossed on that one. Right. So I was reading uh, uh, about a study. And again, this might fall into one of those studies that we all kind of think we know about, uh-huh. but now there's like some stupid little experiment to maybe prove it. And so this study was on dogs and their study was saying that dogs do want to rescue you as long as they know how. Okay. They want to. And so how they did this was they did some experiments and it was with 60 dogs. They don't say any breeds or anything. So I don't know. And so first they wanted to figure out whether the dogs were acting on an impulse to rescue or if it was just a desire to get food or even just be near their owner because that is these are all motivations of the dog. And so here's the test. They had 60 dogs and they presented they were presented with their owner trapped inside a large box with a lightweight door 
that could easily be shifted by the dogs. And the okay. dog owners were coached to cry out for help from inside the box. Okay. Like, oh, help me. Fido. Oh, God. And so one third of the dogs rescued their owners. By figuring out how to manipulate the door. How to, yeah, how to open it. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't read like exactly how to lift it or do what, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so that's actually a lot. I think people, like, when you first read that, it's like, that doesn't sound like that much, but that's almost enough to prove that there's like a correlation there versus like, if it was less than that, it wouldn't have been ever to. Well, well, another thing too about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just, I mean, how many tried? Did all of them try or did like 50% of them, you know, walk over to the box, sniff it, try, and they're just like, nah, I'm bored and walk away despite their owner in there crying for help well that's basically too is like uh even though only one third got them out more they said more than that wanted to they just yeah. didn't know how and so that was another part of this subject too is like they're they're sitting they're saying the dog wants to help you escape on some level and it's really just about if it can or not oh i'm sorry oh i thought you had something <laughs> i thought you were gonna say something i'm like reading as you're gonna i thought you were gonna say something uh but basically they also wanted to figure out too if like what the motivation were too because they're like is this a food motivated thing so they also put food in the cages and they said one third of the dogs were able to get the food out of the cages as well so but that's almost a still strong indicator that like food's a huge thing to dogs right so uh-huh. they're saying the need to get the food was almost as strong as the as the help person out too like one third of them still did that so yeah this is still studying dogs so it's kind of like you know hard to you know quantify all this data and stuff but it still kind of like points toward the idea that the dogs want to help you well, yeah. I mean, did we ever not think that? Well, that's again, it's one of those things like we all knew that, but now there's proof. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> now there's proof about it. And um, also, again, like when the, when the people were stressed, they noticed that obviously the dogs were stressed. And this would, they called it an emotional contagion where a dog is going to like be affected by your emotions type of deal. Dogs are totally like that too. They love stressing out or being happy with you. And yeah. I always think that too. When when you raise a dog, you can see a lot of the owner in the dog. For sure, that's what I've heard. At least I've never I've never owned a dog. Basically, like that was kind of the end of this idea of the study that I was reading. But like I remember thinking to myself, like this is like dog torture studies. Like I will take your owner, throw him in a cage, and have them scream at you. And then the dog doesn't know it's a fucking experiment. So it's just like, oh god, I'm freaking out. And like for those ones that couldn't get the rotor out, they're like, I'm a failure. Like, do you think it's like saw? for the dog exactly it's like dog saw for sure (laughs) (laughs) he's just looking at the countdown like oh my god my owner's gonna die beep 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 oh okay guys i i have some bad news for you here Uh oh yeah this is actually for both of you all your topics (laughs) last time you said this the world was gonna end so i know it's like the world's ending and stuff like god damn can you believe it people actually heard that uh that episode yeah, Our last episode, despite the world uh, apparently ending last Sunday. Uh, unless it did, and we're all just in the afterlife. That's true. Still podcasting for some reason. I say it's a shitty afterlife, but we're still working. I know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So, uh, according to a new study out of Colorado State University, women are less likely to date a guy with a cat. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah why is that i'm curious yeah so in the study i don't have a cat i just i have i don't own any animals but uh mr e does but what's the (laughs) what's the i like cats like like, what's the deal and so that's that's why i bring this up i know mr e has a cat and i know max too yeah (laughs) max is fond of cats yeah i'm very pro cat and so um women are just jealous man that's it. Yeah, versus they can have a million cats, right? They'll have like that. Like, I bet you they all have cats. Like every woman has a cat. But so in the study, what they did was they showed um, they had photographs of two men, and uh, in one photograph they showed the guy with a cat, and in the other photograph <laughs> they showed him without a cat. And so they did this with two guys, and then they showed these photos to hundreds of women, and the margins were kind of slim, but overall. The girls favored no cats to cats. Well, that's just a weird thing. Like, what is he like? You probably look at a dork holding it. Like, if you're doing some Tinder phone, you don't like hold your cat or have a cat like somewhere. You just that's something they discover about you. So, like, having it in your photo, like, <laughs> I love my cat. Like, it's in my photo. It's gonna send the weird message. Well, I know for sure they didn't like 
put the other one with uh, a lizard or a dog right. or yeah. a parrot. I'll say, yeah, what if the, um, the same study with a dog, I, although I feel like if the same study was with a dog, it would be probably they'd, they'd more prefer the dog. Is that wrong? Oh, hands down. Hands down. And yeah. that's why I kind of call BS on this study a little bit because of that. Like the next step would now be a dog or the other yeah. animals. And see if it's animals or not animals or something. But okay. So my big takeaway is ultimately you just need to add no cat to the list of things to do when taking a profile picture anyways. For sure. Right. You need flattering lighting. You need mm. a flattering angle. You need mm-hmm. to wear a shirt, you know, comb your hair, mm-hmm. all this stuff. It, it, it's all pretty, I wouldn't say 101, but uh, mm-hmm. it all adds to that appeal. Because like you just said, all you're seeing is a photo. So, you know, you really got to judge the book by its cover. And if your profile picture is just you with your cat against a nice backdrop, like that's kind of weird. A, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like I said, like, I like cats. That's kind of a weird like profile. Like this is me. I'm, I don't know. It's, it is weird. Although I guess, but then a dog wouldn't set up that same weirdness. No. And what's why, the old, does, why is that? Well, and the old adage is, you know, a girl will always stop a guy with a dog. It's a chick huh. magnet. So I don't know. That's I some racist against cats bullshit. Well, yeah, I think uh, there's something to be said about cats and dogs in that dogs are more closely related to humans, you know, given their relationship and whatnot. So I think dogs are easier to accept. Well, yeah, dogs, they know know what pointing is. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Dogs are smart. Oh, yeah. No, they've they've learned to. That's why they have eyebrows and stuff, too. (laughs) They have eyebrows because of us. They, They communicate information that way. Emotions. Wow. I didn't know they developed they eyebrows for us. That's cool. Well, they have, yeah, that's why they sit there and like, look all like, oh, I'm sorry, or like, or just all that stuff. Like, they're trying to, man- they're manipulating your human emo- like shit. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, man. They're devious. So, um, I read a story about a Swiss team who built the world's smallest motor. They built the world's smallest motor. Huh. I wonder how small that yeah. would be. Like, I'm a thinking, wild guess. Small. I'm thinking um, matchbook. No, I mean, it's got to be smaller than that, right? Because motor. Um, Does it? Does is it? it? Is, is a motor defined by containing its fuel source? You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. It just says motor. I'm it just says say, motor. You know, a motor. I, I'm going smaller. I'm going to go... Uh, 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 the size of a grain of salt. The size of a grain of salt. Mr. E, do you have any thoughts? I'll say the size of a uh, a nickel. Man, you guys are way off. <laughs> this is subatomic, this, right? This was the size of 16 atoms. Oh, oh my god. Okay. And it's a Holy motor. So, obviously, it's not a motor... In the sense you guys are thinking like a vroom vroom car motor. They're almost like saying it is like they're getting, I guess on some level, what is a motor? You're getting like a fan or a belt to move, right? And then that fan or belt creates energy for the fucking car to move, right? Well, I would say so they've it's, created like a, yeah, yeah, it's an input of energy and then it's translated into a mechanical motion of some sort. I would, yeah, I would define that as a motor. That's a great way to put it. So that's basically what this thing is. And so, oh yeah. Check your links. I just sent a picture to you now. Take a just watch this video for a second, and we're gonna have this post on our Instagram as well. But it's just a basically a video clip of what this motor is. And for audiences who aren't listening or watching per se, all it is is really is just imagine like two molecules like spinning on top of each other. But that's what they created, and so that's why they're saying it's a motor because what they did was they they basically put all these atoms together. It's a molecule of acetylene. And um, they have it spinning on a crystal bed of palladium and gallium, 12 atoms of that. And when they cool it to seven degrees, 17 degrees below absolute zero, and then they apply electrical charge to it, they're able to control the spinning and it spins in one motion. Huh. And that's a big deal because they're saying for a motor to actually do something work, it has to spin in one direction. Can't just be like spinning all over the place. So they didn't make it spin like back forth. It's spinning in one direction 
consistently pretty much because they're saying at temperatures higher than 17 degrees above absolute zero, that's when it would kind of behave erratic and it wouldn't spin in one direction. It would just kind of spin however it wanted. So the fact they have a control over it to that degree, that's why they're calling it, I think, a motor because they can, like you said, put energy into something and get a physical movement. And then, you know, from there, they can just build on top of that somehow. Yeah, so I'm watching the video right now, and it is. It's just a, a little atom, I'm going to say, spinning on top of a, a cluster of atoms. And that's very interesting. Basically, they did it, but they're already talking about so harvesting the kinetic energy provided by the motor is uh, pretty much something they can't do yet. Why would they need but, to if they're feeding energy into it to create the kinetic energy? Well, I think that's the whole point, right? Like you're supposed to – like if you have like – you know when the people put water jugs in, in the ocean and then it makes like a spinning wheel? And now that you have that spinning wheel, you're able to ground flour or do something like that. Like the fact that they're able to move something, I think they're saying like on some topic, they almost build like micro atom machines or something or something. If you can create something that makes a spinning device, then you can make something that accepts that spinning device and pulls a lever that does mm-hmm. something that injects or whatever. Yeah. I see what you're up to. Okay. <laughs> you can like, I'm like, I'm not sure how you'd use it. I'm not that smart. Like, I don't know shit about it, but that's almost, it's still kind of interesting that they kind of created something that small. that could like, be put to work on some level maybe possibly well i mean because in theory you could build these devices and then uh somehow trip them in the body and they could act as doorways for medication releasing or uh you know like that the what have you smarter minds than mine will come up with the purposes for it but that's very Mm -hmm. cool that now we have essentially a motor that could be small enough to fit inside a body 16 atoms so i feel like that's way smaller than the grain of salt you even said oh yeah big time yeah for sure and who's doing this do we know swiss the swiss oh, of course that's the best you're gonna get the swiss is always that yeah, that's a fun one i have a story here out of russia actually now that we're talking about uh that area so back in 2015 we discovered a couple craters that are cone shaped. Have you heard about these cone shaped craters? Craters. Think of an ice cream cone, and then increase it hundreds and hundreds of sizes, and dig it into the earth. Oh wow! We discovered them when 2016. You said 2015. Oh, 15. Hey, we lost you there, Mister. Where? Yeah. Where? Uh, these were in Siberia. Wow, it sounds like something came in really fast. So, uh, there were a couple theories, you know, comets and blah, blah, blah. Uh, One of these craters actually had an eyewitness to its creation. Oh, okay. What happened? They said that there was a bright flash of light, and when they got to the crater, uh, they just found a smoking cone-shaped crater, and that was it. They don't know much more than that. Uh, some of them think it was a meteor, but now the prevailing theory is that it was an underground pocket of gas that somehow superheated and exploded, causing this cone-shaped crater. Now, these craters... That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cover story if I've ever heard it. <laughs> Keep going, but okay. Bullshit. (laughs) These craters are 10 to 30 meters wide. So 30 to 90 feet-ish wide by 60 to 100 meters deep. Oh, wow. So this just a small, a small meteorite was what I was thinking. Like a really small, fast one just kind of dug in a lot. It kind of blew up out. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, so maybe maybe even a small one just makes a circle one. So this cone thing is an ice cream cone one. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Do you have more info? I'm like still kind of sitting there trying to figure it out, yeah. Well, yeah, and so uh, I think it's fun that this is kind of a nautical-themed episode because some new theories are piecing together the puzzle and thinking that these gas explosions, these unique – they didn't really go into the property – of the gas explosions and whatnot, why it would form a cone or why it was set off at this time and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But um, 
they suspect that the Bermuda Triangle could suffer what? from these same things. Isn't the Bermuda Triangle in water? Yes. Is there land? Okay. Oh, so so what they're would... thinking? Okay. Is the gas would react underwater, and they likened it to a nuclear explosion in that not necessarily yield, but in that it's so supercharged and hot that it essentially forms a big gas bubble, which travels to the surface and could possibly envelop an entire ship. And like just disintegrate them or something? Well, it would essentially swallow the ship. It would give it so much turbulence in one spot that the – think about a a ship needs water to sit on. And if that water Mm -hmm. is porous and not able to support the ship, then it's going to sink and possibly be overcome with water. Oh, for sure. So that kind of reminds me. I, I heard like another theory about the Bermuda Triangle. That, like the same thing with bubbles. That there's a bunch of bubbles coming from the bottom, and if you're a ship that's supposed to like re- rely on buoyancy to go across some water, and then a bunch of like millions of bubbles just come up from under where you're sailing, that almost would destabilize your buoyancy, and you'd sink that way. That's so exactly. Funny, it. Like this, yeah. So this like other bubble theory is that's kind of funny, but. I mean, there's uh, there's been talk of people. It's still a cover story. <laughs> what if it was a meteorite and it burned up in the atmosphere, but only the water remained? What if there was water in a meteorite, like ice meteor, and it was so big and it burned up, but somehow when it got just about to hit the ground, like instead of being burned up completely, it's like a big, like the ultimate raindrop, like a raindrop that came in like mock speed. Okay. You think? I wonder if that would make the cone. Probably not cone shape. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, uh, we we haven't done many stories out of Russia as far as science goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always weird criminals over there, for sure. So I don't know how uh, how believable it is. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna talk about when people are jumping from sinking ships, like the Titanic, when that was going mm-hmm. down, all the bubbles it was releasing. Apparently, that helped drown people as well because they just couldn't swim in the water oh. that was so aerated. That sucks. I never thought yeah. about that. God, there's so many Those fireworks going on outside. Those people were so fucked. <laughs> just freezing, bubbly water. And that bitch Rose wouldn't get off the damn door. Could have saved everyone. Anyway. So they were also talking about the way this uh, process could bring down aircraft was by... Um, I was, I didn't want to bitch about it, but I was about to be... I, like, when you said it for to triangle, like, well, that doesn't explain the the, the planes. It, How would it ex- so that... Uh, okay, does wow. now, like motherfucker. Really? How does that? Okay. How do, like just the gas hits it up, like hits the plane. Well, apparently, no. There okay. is some sort of gas, and uh, it changes the air pressure and consistency of the air enough to cause severe turbulence to an aircraft. That was their you know, running like, theory. Like a, a earth gun just goes off. It's like bang. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> like, any plane or boat there, just like gets fucked up by it. Exactly, exactly. So I thought that was fun. I haven't heard a good um, Bermuda Triangle theory in a long time. I thought they were going to blame magnets for a second there. When I I read that other magnet article and then I read the Bermuda Triangle article and I was like, come on, Mike, are you going to blame magnets? Are you going to blame magnets? And then they didn't. Dude, we should call this the anomaly episode because this that this basically this I'm reading this topic already and I'm like, this topic basically is an anomaly, but they're they're calling it like. Um, scientists have discovered uh, an astronomical object that has never been observed before. Okay. In that they can't and classify it? Exactly. Ooh. And so for now, they're almost calling it a black neutron star. A black neutron star. Okay. A black neutron you, star. Can you break down that? Like, what is a neutron star? I can. So basically, black holes and neutron stars kind of, for lack of a better term, come from the same place, where it's a supermassive star that's collapsing. And so a black hole is going to be a really, really big one versus a neutron star is going to be one that's not big enough to go into a black hole. But I'll read you even more official, so it's down okay. smarter. But yeah, so <laughs> if a very large star, uh, star dies, it collapses to form a black hole, an object that's such strong that's so strong gravitationally that even light can't escape, versus if it's a starting star that is below a certain mass it could possibly collapse into a dense ball composed entirely of particles called neutrons, which we call a neutron star. Okay. And uh, neutrons are found inside the heart of atoms. 
And here's something I feel like I knew this, but I didn't remember this. So this is like a cool factoid because I didn't realize how insane this shit was. So um, the material from which neutron stars are composed is so tightly packed that one teen, uh, teaspoonful would weigh 10 million tons. Oh, my gosh. 10 yeah. million tons for a teaspoon yes. of neutron star. For sure. That's and so if you think crazy. about it, what I just kind of said, that it is basically like a star in its, in its life cycle, will, if it's big enough, will collapse into either a black hole where even light can't escape, or if it's small enough, it just kind of creates this dense, weird thing that creates neutrons, and these neutrons are these super dense, insane things. Okay. And so anyway, this weird thing they've – they've discovered it's kind of like they're calling it a black neutron star because it's like in the middle of them both because it's either it's either the lightest black hole they've ever discovered hmm. or the heaviest neutron star they've ever discovered wow and they don't know and they don't know what to do or call it and so they said now it's kind of they're calling it like a black a black neutron star for now and this let is, me get into how they found it really quick but yeah this is like when say. they um they declassified pluto kind of they found an exception to the rule and now they need to essentially reclassify everything according to the exception. For sure. That's why the article is saying, like, oh, this is like changing the definition of blah, 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 because, yeah, you think it's supposed to be this, that, the other. And then they found this thing. And so this group that figured this out, they um, I guess they have they have a they have laser detectors that are several kilometers long that are able to detect minute ripples in space time caused by the collision of massive objects in the universe. That already is like what? <laughs> when, I, when I read that, I'm like, I'm gonna what? be honest. I, I I tuned out there. Could you repeat that? <laughs> I am no, because like when I read that too, I'm like, what? So this group that's making this, you know, the black star discovery, or whatever the fuck, <laughs> is saying that they they have laser detectors that are several several kilometers long that are able to detect minute ripples in space time <laughs> caused by the collision of massive objects in the universe. <laughs> Cool. I'm like, what the fuck? And so I guess the, the the collected data from that can determine the mass of objects involved. And so last August, uh, last August, the instruments detected the collision of a black hole 23 times the mass of our sun with an object of 2.6 solar masses. And that object is this weird black neutron star thing that they're trying to figure out. So it no longer exists. It was smashed into something. You're right. Having collided with the large black hole, the object no longer exists. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's not like we can study it anymore. We just happen to catch it at the end of its life. Pretty much. But they're, somehow the way it, like they either attracted each other or somehow the way they smash them. Again, I'm not even – even though I read the article a bunch of times, I still don't understand like kind of – they just know how massive it is. And like that thing is like – again, it's either a black hole, the lightest one they've ever seen as far as its mass, or this is like the heaviest neutron star they've ever seen. And they just don't know what to call it yet. Huh. I wonder where they'll settle on that. I wonder like what the what the odds of something like that uh is. I was gonna say occurred occurring naturally, but obviously. Yeah, so I mean pretty much if the object is a heavy neutron star, then they have to rethink what goes on into these objects. Because they were talking about now, like, oh man, we don't know what goes on in high pressure nuclear reaction situations. Which makes sense. I mean, this is stuff, you know, bajillions of miles away and stuff. So I'm not that blown away that they that they found something new. But it is kind of – the article makes it sound like, oh, man, like this is insane. Like we've never seen something either. Because they've obviously seen stuff like denser, like a black hole is denser. But somehow this thing seemed like more – is acting like a neutron star. Huh. Whatever that means. Exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, I still found that kind of interesting. Like when I first read this article at a glance, I'm like, that's some spaceship, some spaceship with its warp field ran into the black hole. Like, oh, my God, it's denser than whatever. But then as I read more and more into it, I'm like, it probably could just be another stage of a star collapsing. It's probably that Goldilocks thing. Where I'm like, this star is just right enough to make a black hole versus this one just wasn't big enough. So it made like a black neutron star. Yeah. I mean, it gets my mind racing as far as uh, the idea Star that Trek. our well, yeah, that our sun will uh, explode, right? Isn't it going to explode and wipe us out? Yeah, ours is going to, in theory, expand to a red giant and then explode because it's not big enough to collapse in on itself. Like we're, <laughs> I think we're a main sequence, something like that. Versus versus all these other ones are like huge fucking. If you see those comparisons, right? Like, here's our sun. Here's this other insane. And it's like eight bajillions suns in it and stuff. Like, those are the ones that are, you know, making supernovas and making black holes and stuff. 
That's crazy. And neutron stars and black neutron stars. So one of the uh, questions we had last episode was, what is the sun composed of, mainly? And the answer was? Yes, hydrogen. Hydrogen. I got a story on hydrogen here for you. All right. Scientists supposedly have succeeded in turning hydrogen gas into hydrogen metal. Hydrogen metal. Hydrogen metal. I know the newest sword of hydrogen metal cuts through your soul. So it was first predicted to exist back in the 1930s. So we've known about hydrogen metal for a long time, but we've never really been able to get there. And the reason we're so, you know, hard up for hydrogen metal is because it could be a superconductor. Oh, okay. I'm assuming that's good for supercomputers. Exactly. So basically a superconductor is a material that will not resist electricity running across it. Unlike a lot of the other conductors we use. For instance, mostly all conductors have resistance to them. If you look at a light bulb, that's how a light bulb was developed. They used a material that would resist electricity running through it and it would glow as a result. And so that was your filament. Motherfucker. Yeah, so this would just guide electricity seamlessly. And we have superconductors now, but they need to be super cooled. And this one apparently could do it at room temperature, which would be a boom for tech. Dude, I like that. Although when you first said it, I was thinking like hydrogen gas. What if you had like had a bunch of balloons full of the gas and pop it all over your body and you cover yourself in like metal and just like metalize your skin really quick and get into fights. I will start a GoFundMe for that project. You'd probably die and like starve your body of, of oxygen or something like being covered in that stuff. Well, I'm not doing it. You're doing it. Oh, okay. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> my foot first, just my foot. But yeah. So basically, the way they created this metal was they sandwiched some hydrogen gas. They squeezed it between two uh, specially cut diamonds. Oh, wow. And they smashed it up to uh, pressures, subjecting it up to 4 million times Earth's atmosphere. So they Superman squeezed it. Yeah. They Superman squeezed hydrogen gas into hydrogen metal. That's that's crazy. Does that mean that's a power Superman has? He can just sit there and grab the grab the air and squeeze it so hard, all this metal. This, it, it, this is not metal as we think, huh? Is it like hard metal? Is it like thin? This is not metal as we think, probably. It's like some liquid. Is it liquidy metal-y? Well, here's the deal. The way they measured uh, this stuff turning into the metal was by um, squeezing it and then shooting a light through the gas, and then once the gas became so opaque that they couldn't see the light anymore, then they determined that they had created metal. That being said, it never really goes on to state what happens to the metal afterwards, if it's still there when they release the pressure, or you know, it wasn't very specific on that. But here's the thing. Many have claimed to create this substance before, but they've been debunked once it goes into peer review. And this one that I'm telling you right now has not been peer reviewed. So this is some like alchemy shit, right? Like <laughs> this is something we don't know about some ignorant shit. Like, Oh, it's like, it's like I found the gold elixir. And then it's like, no, well, not what, really. This guy's a hack. What they don't tell you was, uh, the, they don't tell you about the armadillo. They sacrificed in the next room to pay the no, cost for the alchemy. Yeah, exactly. Just to make it work. The blood work. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought that was fascinating because uh, we're always talking about the next generation of conductor and how gold is supposed to be in it. And then there's some sort of a gold weaved carbon or not. I'm sorry, not carbon, but carbon nanotube probably. Well, there's like an atomic structure that we can weave gold into or it might have been carbon that is a good conductor as well. And so... The next super. It's always conductor. carbon nanotubes. It's always that. It's like they're the strongest metal, and they can also do this, that, and the other. And the, and then they throw the word supercomputer out there like it's nothing. Like oh, supercomputers. This is me and supercomputers. We we've been probably saying the word supercomputer for like ten years, <laughs> as far as all these materials and things. There should be one somewhere. Well, thank you, everyone. If your ears are still listening, yeah. What are you excited for next time? Do you have any previews for your next stories? Well, if I if I feel like if I say it right now. 
uh, people are just going to look it up. So <laughs> no. No, here's my next story. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you the next, the, the last. I'm going to tell you that time that Sean he um, he stole a car on the next episode of Bear the Most Things. Well, tell the good time, not the bad one. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything. And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at btmt underscore podcast, and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.